wife who is a teacher, and she has been like over school since like the first week. Um, and so she is ready for the summer to happen, you know, but we get to this time of year and, and, and as, as exciting as it is, there's also a lot of stress that is involved, um, particular, particularly, if I can say that word, particularly um, in the lives of you students, like whether you're in elementary or middle or high school or even college, um, whenever you're culminating a, a year or a semester, that means that there's, there's exams that have to be taken. There's, there's you know, end of, end of course exams. There's papers that have to be turned in. Or if you're, um, if you're uh, uh, in, in elementary school or middle school, or there's, there's the FSA, right? And our kids get like so worked up about the FSA. And there's all of this pressure to perform and to communicate what you know about the things that you've learned because it's not good enough just to say that you know something. It's not good enough to say that, yeah, I was there when they taught that lesson. It's not enough to just claim that you have mastery in a subject area, that just because you, you completed all the homework assignments, you turned everything in, you did the project and everything, you can't, you can't just say, well, well, I know everything there is to know about that. I've, I've met the requirement of the things that I need to have learned. Unfortunately, there comes a time when you have to be put to the test. You have to put things to the test and you have to prove it. You can't just say, I know how to do this. They want to test you and see if it really adds up. If, if what you're able to put out there on the exam, if it matches up with the things that you are supposed to know. And so that's the time that we've been experiencing here over the past little bit. But, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And guys, you've got four and a half more days. And then you are home free for the summer. Amen? Anybody excited about that? You guys awake this morning? <laughs> Nod your head. Let me hear the BB rattle around. There you go. Well, today we're in part four of a series that we're calling Prove It, where we're taking a walk through the book of 1 John in the New Testament. And John wrote this particular letter to the believers in the church at Ephesus, um, and he wrote it to address some false doctrines that were being taught, which was resulting in some of the believers at the time taking a casual approach to the sin that was in their lives. And all the way back in chapter one, the first week of this series, we looked at how John addressed those claiming to walk with God. And we learned that, that um, we have to say or, or what we say has to match what we show. If we claim to walk with God, then what we say has to match what we show. And then, and then in, in chapter two, we looked at how John addressed those claiming to know God. And we learned that it's not just enough to recognize Jesus, that just because we recognize Jesus doesn't mean that we necessarily have a relationship with Jesus. And then last week, we took a look at First uh, John chapter 3, where John addresses the way supposed believers were showing the love of Jesus to their brothers and sisters in the faith. And we learned that if we're unable to love those that are found, then we'll never be able to love those that are lost. 
In other words, what this entire series is, 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 is getting at and, and what John is trying to communicate in this book that he wrote, this letter that he wrote to uh, the believers in Ephesus here in 1 John is that if this is who or what we claim to be, we also have to prove it. We can't just say that that's who we are. We have to prove it by the way that we live. And so today we're going to turn our attention to chapter 4 of John's letter. And so let's jump in together starting with verse 1. Starting with verse 1, John writes this. My dear friends, many false prophets have gone out into the world. So do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. This is how you can know God's spirit. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ came to earth as a human is from God. And every spirit who refuses to say this about Jesus is not from God. It is the spirit of the enemy of Christ which you have heard is coming, and now he is already in the world. My dear children, you belong to God and have defeated him, because God's spirit who is in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. And they belong to the world, so what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them, but we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. But those who are not from God do not listen to us. And that is how we know the spirit that is true and the spirit that is false. Now, maybe you can remember all the way back to part one of this series where we discussed two major doctrinal errors that John was addressing with the writing of this letter. As, as these false doctrines gained some notoriety, some among the ranks of believers began to fall prey to them, which led them to adopt a casual attitude towards the sin in their lives. And, and these false doctrines that were being spread, causing the believers to be led astray, were this. Number one, had to, having to do with the Messiahship of Jesus that in other words, there was, there was some doctrine that was arising that was claiming that Jesus was not the Messiah, that he was not the son of God, the way that he claimed to be. And then the second false doctrine that had arisen um, had to do with the incarnation of Jesus. The first was the Messiahship of Jesus. The second was having to do with the incarnation of Jesus. And so there was, there was this secondary doctrine that had arisen that, that was claiming that Jesus never existed in human form, that he did not actually come to this earth and walk among us, um, that all of that was a falsehood. And John underscores these two false doctrines in verse 2 of our passage today where he writes, Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ came to earth as a human is from God. So the way that he addresses this is, is first and foremost, he calls him Jesus Christ. Christ, all right? So that's important, and it's important for us to know, and, and, and maybe some of you didn't, weren't aware of this, and, and it's okay. Christ is not his last name. That's not what that means. Christ actually, it, it literally means anointed one. 
And it is, it is a reference to the fact that Jesus was the anointed one, the Messiah, that he was the savior and the redeemer of the people of Israel. So when John refers to him as Jesus Christ, he's simply reiterating this man named Jesus, he is the Messiah, the son of God. And so he says, Jesus Christ came to earth as a human. So it's important to note that that John is saying he did in fact come to earth as a human. He was not just God, he was actually a man, skin and bones, flesh and blood. And this is important because it makes Jesus able to relate to us in a real and personal way that that this flesh that is on us, this breath that is in our lungs, that, that he experienced the same thing. And so because he was human now, he can he can relate to us and we can relate to him in a different way because it brings him up close and personal to us. He's not some some far off God out in the ether in the stratosphere somewhere. But no, he came to this earth and he walked among us as a human just as as we are. And so that brings him up close and personal to us. And so what John is saying with this very simple passage is that Jesus is all three, God, man, and Messiah. And when someone or something makes a claim otherwise, we need to put them to the test. We need to put them to the test. Now, other religions and belief systems um, outside of of atheism, which believes that there there is no God, other religions and belief systems, they might believe that Jesus existed, but this is simply not enough. It's not enough just to believe that he existed. See, John is both direct and specific in that they must proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, that he was sent here by God, and that he came in the flesh. All other explanations of who Jesus is are not from God and should not be followed. That's what John is communicating. Now, some in these other religions, other belief systems, they would admit that Jesus exists. They would recognize that, and they would even go so far as to say that Jesus was a prophet, or some would even claim that that Jesus is a good teacher. But to make either of these claims, apart from the fact that he was the son of God, is absolutely ludicrous. And here's why. Jesus predicted his death and resurrection. But if that didn't really happen, then he's not really much of a prophet, is he? Right? If he's prophesying that I'm going to die and then on the third day arise from the dead, but if that didn't happen, then he's really not much of a prophet to begin with. Or for those that, that, that say that he's, he's a good teacher, Jesus claimed to be the son of God. But if he wasn't, then how good of a teacher is he really if he is perpetuating this falsehood over and over and over. We wouldn't call somebody who constantly tells us untruths, who tries to teach us things that that are lies. We wouldn't call them a good teacher. And so 
if he's not who he claims to be and, and the, the, the prophecy that he set forth that he was going to die and then, and then rise from the dead, if, 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 if that's not correct, then, then both of these scenarios, they don't make him out to be a prophet or a good teacher. They make him out to be a liar. They make him out to be a liar. And, and, and for some of us, like that's certainly a viable option. Like We can choose to believe that Jesus was a liar. If he isn't the Messiah, then he can't be a prophet or a good teacher, but he could certainly be a liar. That's at least one viable option for us this morning. But now let's consider this. Let's say that Jesus wasn't who he claimed to be now. This is not what I believe, but let's just, let's just say for, for, for a minute that he wasn't who he claimed to be. Then if that is the case, then, then when it came time for him to be arrested and killed for what he claimed to be, then why wouldn't he have come clean at that point, right? Why wouldn't he have said, hey, guys, I was just kidding. I, I'm really not who I've been claiming, like, it's, it's not like, you don't, you don't have to take me into custody. Like, please don't nail me on the, cr- I was, it was just, it was just a joke. All right, the game, the game's over now. I'm coming clean and everything, like, it, it's all good. You found me out, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody in their right mind choose to die for something that they knew was a lie? And that's just it, If he was a liar and he chose to knowingly die for something that he knew to be a lie, then not only is he a liar, he's also a lunatic. And that is a second viable option for us. We can believe that Jesus is a liar. We can also accept that he was a crazy man because he chose to willingly die for something that he knew was not true. But There's a third option for us this morning. What if he truly was the son of God as he claimed to be? And what if he did come to this earth in human form? And what if he did die for the sin of mankind? And what if he did rise from the dead on the third day? Well, then if those things are true, certainly doesn't make him a liar. It most definitely doesn't make him a lunatic. Instead, it makes him precisely who John claimed that he was. He is Lord. And ultimately, what John is communicating here in this passage is is the very simple idea of, of, of this, that our ability to correctly discern spiritual truth rises and falls on what we believe about Jesus. I'll say that again. Our ability to correctly discern spiritual truth rises and falls on what we believe about Jesus. And we have three options. We can either believe that he was a liar, that maybe he didn't exist at all, or that if he did exist, that he wasn't who he claimed to be. We can choose lunatic, that he was willing to die for a cause that he knew to be a lie, or we can choose the option that John was convinced of and which he writes so passionately about in his letter, that he is Lord, he's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. 
That is the choice that you and I make today. And it's the choice that those John was writing to that they were having to make as well. But then these false doctrines were coming up and all of a sudden they're a little uneasy. They're not too sure. They're seeing these things kind of rise to prominence and they're trying to figure it out and walk through their faith and mm, which way do we go and what do we believe? And so John writes in verse four, one of the most popular and, and, and famous verses out there. We, we quote it quite a bit, but it's often quoted outside of the context of this particular passage. John writes in the translation I'm reading from, the New Century Version, my dear children, you belong to God and have defeated them because God's spirit who is in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. Perhaps some of you may recognize it from its King James version, which says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And now, while we often quote this particular verse as a reminder of our authority over our enemy, the devil, which is certainly true, John is actually writing this to comfort his readers and to ease their fears about being tempted away from the truth. Now, no doubt we've experienced this same kind of thing in our own lives there's been someone that we looked up to in the faith. Maybe, maybe it was a pastor, maybe a, a, a Sunday school teacher, a, a stalwart pillar of our local church community, and we've seen them make a mistake or fall away from the faith in some way. And maybe we've thought, well, if that happened to them, then I don't stand a chance. It could certainly happen to me. Or maybe we're friends with someone who's always trying to push another religion or another system of beliefs on us. And they're, they're constantly calling into question our faith in Jesus Christ. And sometimes that causes us to have doubts about where we may stand. If that's you, just as a sidebar, you need to know God is not scared of your doubts. It's okay to have doubts and to wrestle with some of this. And that is precisely what John and others are writing books and letters like this for us. And why John wrote this verse, why he, why he put this verse four in here, because what John is actually saying is take heart. Jesus is greater He's saying his truth is greater. A life lived in pursuit of Jesus will produce a better outcome. He's saying Jesus has already claimed the victory over our adversary through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And even should we falter, his grace and his forgiveness is readily available to us. But the key for you and for me it's to simply stand firm in our faith and hold tight to that which we believe. Stand firm in the faith and hold tight to that which we believe. But the question that undoubtedly you're asking is how? How do we do that? How do we stand firm in our faith? How do we hold tight to the things that we believe? particularly in a world, in a society, in a culture like the one in which we live when, when people are, 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 are 
putting out that there, there's so many different ways, so many different paths, and we're being pulled back and forth. How do we stand firm in an age, in a time, in a culture like that and hold tight to what we believe and what we know to be true? And John answers that in the last two verses of the passage that we read for today. He says, they belong to the world. He's talking about the people that are perpetuating these false doctrines. That they belong to the world. So what they say is from the world and the world listens to them. But he says in verse 6, but we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. But those who are not from God do not listen to us. That is how we know the spirit that is true and the spirit that is false. See, what, what John is communicating here is that there is a distinct difference between what is proclaimed by the world and what is proclaimed by God, and that you and I are able to know the difference between the two. He says, those who know God listen to us. And that, that us there that John is talking about is the apostles. See, John isn't just writing something that he was told secondhand. It, it's, it's not just some, some fable that has been passed down as, a, as a, a, a fun bedtime story through the generations. John is, is writing as an apostle about something that he experienced firsthand. See, when, when John makes the claim that Jesus walked among us as a human, he can do that because he was walking right beside him. When, when John declares that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, he can do that because he saw him dead hanging on the cross and then alive, risen from the dead three days later with his own eyes. So, so what John is saying to the believers in Ephesus and ultimately what he's still communicating to us today is that those who know God and are living in accordance with the truth, they listen to and they believe in what the eyewitnesses have to say. Because those eyewitnesses, they were there. They saw it. They lived it. They experienced it. It was close enough for them to touch and to taste and to feel and the good news is, is that you and I, we have the very same access to those eyewitnesses. It's right here in the Bible. We have access to those same eyewitnesses that walked with Jesus and they talked with Jesus and they stood there as he was whipped and beaten and hung on a cross. They watched as the, the last breath came out of his body. They, they were there as he was placed into the grave. They, they, went, to the, they went to the grave three days later and, and they saw the stone that was rolled away. They were there on the beach that morning where Jesus appeared to them. They stood and they watched him ascend into the heavens. They saw it with their own eyes and they have written their account to share with you and with me so that we too can believe. And so this is exactly what John is talking about when he's saying, test the spirits. He's saying, put it to the test with the word of God, with the eyewitness accounts of those that saw it for themselves. 
put it to the test. He's saying scripture must serve as our authority. And as our authority, then scripture becomes the lens through which we view all other teaching. This means that in order for us to do this, though, you and I, we have to have a relationship with Jesus through his word, the Bible. So let me see if I can explain this in a way that will be a little bit helpful for you to understand. The, the other day I was texting with my wife, which is a regular occurrence, and I sent Sarah a text And she responded in a way that I thought was really kind of odd, really kind of strange. And it was in a way that that typically she she wouldn't respond and, um, you know, just a little bit different. And so um, so I I asked another question and then um, a a text came back and it was was something definitely um, different than my wife would normally say. And I'm just talking about like even in, even in like the, the words that she used and, and like punctuation and, and grammar and things. And I thought, one of the kids has her phone. And, and so I said like, is this, you know, is, is this Sarah? And the text came back and said, yeah, it's me. And then the, the very next text that came back said, like, I'm really craving a particular restaurant that I know my wife doesn't really care for, but Luke does. I'm really craving this. Can we go there for dinner tonight? And I said, this is not Sarah. This is not mommy. See, the, the, the truth is, is that, that I know Sarah. I know her because we have a relationship with each other. We spend time together. We communicate with each other. And so when I was getting these texts back and I realized uh, it, it quickly um, threw up some red flags and I was able to see, no, this isn't my wife. This is my son trying to manipulate me in, into posing as, as my wife to, to get, get me to agree to go to this restaurant so that he can have his need met And it became very clear, no, like this doesn't add up because I know Sarah and I know what she's about and I know how she would would respond. And this simply is not her. Well, it's, it's the same way in our relationship with Jesus through the Bible. See, we should strive to know the Bible so well that we can discern if something else is, is of God or not. That if it's, in, if it's in agreement with Jesus or not, we should know God's word that well that when something right, we can say, wait a minute, this is not what it appears to be. Maybe it's when we read something online or when our friend makes a claim about something or, or even when a pastor preaches something, we'll be able to say, wait a minute, that is not in line with the scripture as I read and I understand it. But let me just tell you something. If, if the only exposure that you're getting to the Bible is on Sunday morning at 9.15 at Christ Walk Church, it's not going to happen. Like, don't get me wrong. At Christ Walk, it's a great church, but it's not that great. Like, it, it won't happen if all you do is take my word for it. Like, yes, I'm your pastor, but, but you've got to own it for yourself. My relationship with Jesus is not going to get any of you into heaven. 
my knowledge of God's word, my understanding of the Bible, it's not going to help you when you're confronted at work by a coworker. You've got to learn to feed yourself. And like, don't get me wrong, like I'm doing my best on a weekly basis to provide you with a consistent, nourishing meal. You know, like, like I'm shooting for like some grilled chicken and some really good vegetables. You know, like some steamed broccoli or something. And, and every now and again, like I might hit like filet mignon and loaded baked potato. Sometimes maybe a little bit more regular than I like. Maybe it's like a Hot Pocket or a bologna sandwich. But like I'm still learning. I'm young. Like this, you know, I mean, I've only been doing this for, I've only been the pastor of this church for about 450 days. So I'm, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to figure it out. All right. But, but if, if this meal is the only meal you're eating every week, you're going to be malnourished. You, you got you to feed yourself. You, you got you to get into God's word so that you can develop a relationship with Jesus through it so that you'll know when something arises, nope, that ain't it. That's not it. And, and like we're approaching halfway through 2019. Can you believe that? We're almost halfway through the year. And, and maybe, maybe your New Year's resolution to read the Bible every day, like it's so far gone in like, in like the rear view mirror. You know, you've fallen off that horse long ago. I, I just want to encourage you, like jump back in today. Who cares about a resolution? Like who cares? Get back on the horse like maybe maybe you just need like and 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 you're like I don't I don't really know where to start. All right, well maybe you just start by by reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. Proverbs is all about wisdom. There's 31 chapters. Most months have 31 days. You know, so today is the what the 18th, the 19th, something like that. So just read that read that chapter of Proverbs today and then then tomorrow when it's the 20th read Read Proverbs chapter 20 and so on and so on. And if, if you get to a, a short month, it's only got 30 days, we'll read 30 and 31 on that day and then just perpetuate that through the month. Or maybe you just wanna, you wanna start in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'd recommend that you start with Mark. It's one of my, one of my favorite Gospels and it's, 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 it's direct, it's to the point. It's, it's kind of a lot like me. Um, and, and he uses the word like immediately, like there's a sense of urgency. Like I love the, like the pace and the passion with which Mark writes and he's got like an urgency to get the word out and like what happened with Jesus and and everything. And, and it's also, um, it's also in chronological order, the way things happen in Mark or the way things happened chronologically. So that's pretty cool. Maybe you just want to start there and you, you want to read a chapter a day or whatever so that you can, you can find out about this guy who, who Jesus was and what he was about Everything. Maybe maybe you want to start there, or or maybe maybe you, you need to like download the YouVersion Bible app. If you're not using that already, like what are you waiting on? Like get with it. Get the YouVersion Bible app, and there's tons of like Bible reading plans on there. Find one that like it doesn't really matter what it is. Just find one that that speaks to you. Something that you'll read and and start reading it. And you can even set like push notifications and everything so that it will remind you. It'll it'll hold you accountable. And then every day when you open it up, it's going to celebrate and it's going to show you like how many times you've opened the Bible app that week or or that. And it's going to give you a streak and everything. They've they've built in some tools to encourage you to to be a part of 
the word of God, to, to have that and, and, and get into it every single day. And so just, just go in there and like search and like whatever's going on in your life and there is a plan for that and choose a plan and read it and just get that started in your life. If you don't know how, like go to the orange tent or find somebody under the age of like 18 and they'll show you how to download that app and get you connected with it. It's really easy. You've heard me talk about this before. Start a soap journal. Some of you are like, is he ever going to stop talking about that? I'll stop talking about it when y'all start doing it. Because <laughs> I believe in it. Get yourself a journal, a notebook or something. Maybe you want to keep it in the notes app on your phone or, or, or on your computer or whatever. But just down the left side of the page, S-O-A-P, scripture, observation, application, prayer. Read a scripture, write it down. What's God trying to tell you in that scripture? What are are you observing? How can you apply it to the current situation of your life? And then pray, God, help me to live this out. Just do that every single day. Takes just a few minutes. Yes, men, you can even do it. It's not a soap diary. It's not girly. It's a soap journal. That's manly. Right? When you say journal, that makes it manly. Get some of that and put, put those things into practice in your everyday life so that you can have a relationship with Jesus through his word. If you need a Bible, you don't have a Bible, you don't have the resources to get a Bible, go to the, go to the orange tent after service. We have a Bible for you. And if we don't have one, like, like just let them know. I will buy you one personally out of my own pocket. Like, I I believe in it so much that this is the word of God. He left it for us. He wants us to have a relationship with Jesus through this book, and it will alert us to things. When something arises, we will say, no, that is not in line with Scripture. Because our ability to correctly discern spiritual truths, it rises and falls on what we believe about Jesus. And this book right here, it tells us the overarching story about Jesus Christ, who he was, why he came, and what he means for us. So we see something, or we hear something, or we read something, and we're going to know there's going to be a huge red flag. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound like something that would line up with Jesus. That doesn't sound like something that that he would teach. That doesn't sound like something that he would be in agreement with. And and, and I would know because I spend time in his word each day. And I realize that it doesn't match up. Like that's the kind of people that we need to be. That when something, no, like I see that, no. It doesn't add up. Doesn't add up with the way that I've been reading my Bible. The things that I've learned. The things that Jesus has taught me and communicated. So the question is, what, what can you do this week to better feed yourself with, with God's word, to, to strengthen your relationship with Jesus, to get to know him a little bit better? What can you do this week? And, and you're thinking of something. You've got something in your mind right now, right there in your seat. I just want you to make that commitment right now between you and the Lord. God, I'm going to do this this week. I'm going to do this this week because I want to get to know you better through your word. And then do it. That's your homework. One more week of school, I can give homework. That's your homework for this week. Whatever that thing is, that thing that you thought about, what's that one thing that you could do to to better feed yourself and, and build a relationship with Jesus Christ through his word? That's what you need to do this week. Go do it. Start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it this afternoon after church. Get some lunch first. 
then do it before you go to bed. Because that's how we're going to be able to discern spiritual truth. By getting to know Jesus, who he is, what he's about, and the way that we learn those things. It's through his word. Having a relationship with him through his word. And as we do that, as things arise, we're going to be able to say, nope, putting that spirit to the test, that ain't it. Putting that spirit to the test, that ain't it. That doesn't align. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't, as we say in the South, it doesn't, it doesn't G-haw. That's what we got to do. You know, maybe you're here today, though. Before you jump into a relationship with Jesus through his word, you need to first jump into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe the way that you've been living your life has made Jesus out to be a liar or a lunatic. But you're here today. Maybe you're watching with us online. And you say, you know, I don't want Jesus to be a liar in my life. I don't want him to be a lunatic in my life. I want him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray this prayer along with me. It's going to be on the screen behind me. And invite Jesus into your life today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. 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 Look, if you made that decision today, I want to congratulate you. It's the best decision that you could possibly make. I want to echo the thoughts of John. Not only what I believe, but what this church stands for. He wasn't a liar. He wasn't a lunatic. He is Lord. Jesus Christ, God, man, Messiah. Come to the earth, flesh and blood, skin and bone, as a human. Died on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven. And he rose again from the, third, from the grave on the third day, defeating death and hell in the process. And for those of us that have put our faith and our hope and our trust in him, one day he's coming back to take us from this place that is temporary and fleeting to a place of eternal glory where we get to be with him forever and ever and ever. And that's what I'm excited about. And I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to take as many of you with me because that's where I'm going. And I want to see you there. But first, we got to prove it. That's who we're going to claim to be. We got to prove it.